Welcome to SBRE Capital Matters, the only show focused on the small balance real estate community with your host, Matt Burke. Good morning. Welcome to the latest edition of Capital Matters. We are the, as far as I know, only show anywhere that focuses strictly on small balance real estate and all the things that go into raising money for real estate asset-based uh, deals of all types, really, whether that be uh, mortgage loans or direct acquisition of property or buying distressed debt. Any entrepreneur who is actively running a business that requires them to raise money from investors on an ongoing basis would be what we call in our vernacular a small balance real estate entrepreneur. And the common thread is that they need to raise capital from those investors. So that's really what we try to bring value to people that are engaged in that business, bring value to all parts of that uh, whole value chain, including the investor side of the equation and all the people that provide a lot of support and services to that industry that, that makes it go. And so try to bring people on the show that, that come at it from a certain angle. And today we have a, a very interesting guest, if you can call CPAs interesting. Uh, no offense there, Jason. Uh, but we have today Jason Gilbert from Armenino. It's a uh, accounting firm out of the Bay Area of California. So uh, welcome, Jason. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I know, uh, so Jason and I have known each other for several years. Uh, Armenino is a good size, uh, reactive player on the CPA side of the equation for, for a lot of small balance real estate entrepreneurs. But I'll let Jason tell you a little bit more about that. So, so Jason, why don't you share with uh, our audience here a little bit about your firm and, uh, and yourself? Yeah, so uh, Armenino. Uh, we're about a thousand-person firm these days, uh, 24th largest in the nation. As you said, headquartered in uh, California, the Bay Area, um, but we also have multiple offices in LA. We now have a Dallas office and an office just outside of Chicago. And over the past 10 plus years, we've been the fastest growing firm in the nation. Um, and that's including the big national firms that everyone uh, knows about. So we're pretty excited about that. Yeah, I didn't realize you guys had offices in uh, Chicago and Dallas, so so good for you. And I know that uh, Armenino's been on a kind of a growth tear here the last few years, and so um, kind of had a chance to watch a little bit of what you guys are doing. But so tell us a little bit about your practice and kind of what your group focuses on uh, in the small balance space. Yeah, so. Our uh, financial services arm, um, which encompasses the uh, SDRE platform, um, is our fourth largest niche. Um, and our main focus in financial services is um, predominantly lending. So we work with just over, I'd say, 75 uh, funds these days. Some of them are, are hybrid, mixed, equity-based, but predominantly 60-plus um, of them are, are debt funds, uh, mortgage pools, if you will. Um, it's our bread and butter, and we we live, breathe. <laughs> That's all we do um, for about nine months out of the year. So uh, we're an active player in the space. Yeah, so you guys have a pretty deep understanding of a lot of the ins and outs of the operational and financial side of, of running a mortgage pool fund. And, of course, uh, we here at Fairway America deal with a lot of people around the country that are private lenders that may be trying to make the 
move from doing deals one at a time where they're matching up individual assets and individual deals with specific individual investors or perhaps putting several investors into a single asset and, and try to make that leap to operating in a pooled investment fund where you have a pool of assets and a pool of investors. And my experience is that's a, a order of magnitude more complicated and making that leap is not always easy. So um, what does the these mortgage pool funds that you're talking about, Jason, so you say have 675 and about 60 of them are on the mortgage pool side. What does a typical client look like for you and you know, kind of how do you work with them? Yeah, it's funny. We we have we have the gamut. So uh size wise, the guys are just starting out, um less than five million, usually about five million up to a billion. Um the guys that are north of that, you know, half billion, billion dollar mark if they suddenly get institutional and you just want to see a, a no name, a big four name. So we usually get proposed from working from those guys, but uh those types of sites on guys that are doing um commercial get some flip um hybrid of both um and then structure wise even beyond that we've seen platforms where guys are using bringing investors as equity um so owners of the llc or lp and then we have funds that have a mix of debt and uh equity investors because each investor is a little different and some have a stronger appetite for being in a more secure position and being in a debt position versus uh, an equity player and sharing in the upside. So uh, it's it's a mixed bag and we're open and willing to help whoever in the platform and try to get them to, you know, the next level, raise capital and grow and, and become the, the big dog on the street. So specifically, then, what kind of things does Armanino provide to these small balance real estate entrepreneurs? What what do you do for them? First and foremost, we're compliant, right? So audit. Um, most of the PCMs that we run across have an audit requirement at least once you hit a certain size, right? Once you get to the point where you're bringing on investors that you don't know, they're not friends and family, and you, and you know them, but you don't know them that well. Um, it's about the time when, when guys start having the audit requirements or, or should look into that. Um, a lot of tax, uh, tax compliance and, and making sure that the reporting's done in a way that's most advantageous, uh, to the investors. So it's very important. We do some consulting. Um, when guys are creating their docs and getting their PPM together, we, we usually give it the sniff test just to say, hey, this is what we're seeing, right? This is what we've experienced. This is what we know what the software platforms can handle because sometimes you you can create an offering where you know you have series and tiers and multiple waterfalls but unless you get to a full um, customized platform that can handle all that a lot of the off-the-shelf packages can't do that so we try to you know give some pointers that you don't become make it an administrative nightmare um, but we are not well and that says like perfectly in the fact that we're not full on administrators we can't do that um, it, it, we would put ourselves in the art firm, so we rely on uh, guys like Redwood um, and yourself to help with the and handle all of the administration side, and we work side part for that. Yeah, and I, to that point, I, I've told this story before, but maybe for people that are listening to the show for the first time, when I did the very first fund that we ever launched back in 1999, I hired a lawyer to 
put together the offering documents and, you know, we spent so, spent a lot of money going back and forth and coming up with what we thought was a really, you know, clever uh, deal and I've since learned that, you know, what a lot of people think is clever and unique is actually not. But um, after I launched it, spent all the money, then I went out and decided, okay, now I need to figure out how to, you know, track all this stuff and I could not find anything. Any, from a software standpoint that could actually do what we had in our documents. And I ended up having to go back and spend another, you know, five figures to have the attorney redo all the documents to comport with what we could find from a software standpoint that would actually administer the fund. And, uh, you know, my attorney wasn't real happy because, you know, lawyers largely you know, think that they should outweigh the software guys. But at the end of the day, operationally, you know, it's super important to make sure that your structure comports with what you can actually produce. And so I learned that lesson the hard way. So how did you get into the, uh, well, let me, let me skip that one here, Jason, and say, I know that let's get to a little bit of some of the things people want. And after the break, we'll dive into some, some nitty gritty here. Um, the new tax laws. I mean, any revelations on your end? Everybody asks me about that all the time lately is, you know, what, what are you seeing in terms of, uh, this new tax law that recently passed and how that might affect some of these small balance real estate entrepreneurs. Yeah, so I wish I, uh, I had a little more uh, clarity on this. I, I'm not our tax uh, professional in our office. I mean, you know, I got a partner that deals with that. And he's, you know, knee deep into it at this point trying to figure out the most advantageous way to uh, handle the new tax law. Um, obviously, it came about really fast and uh, most of the tax professionals were prepared for the changes and even if you track it along the way, the stuff that was coming down the pipe um, changed in the last minute. So the fact that they turned this thing on its head so quick uh, was a bit of a surprise to anybody. What I will tell you is that make sure you talk to somebody. Um, I've been having some conversations with some fund managers that are now evaluating what the true cost would be to go through a restructure because the reach would get the benefit of the 20% um, cap. It's interesting. Um, I think the cost of that change and going from a standard, you know, uh, reg B type PCM uh, offering to a reach, you're going to pay for it in other ways, and that tax benefit is going to go out the door, but yeah. each to their own. Um, the little bit that I talked to my partner David about, you know, the changes, there's so many buckets that you can be concerned about and depending on your business model. You, you really should be talking to a tax professional. Yeah, well, I was going to say that the um, my take on it is that whatever tax benefits or savings I might get will be equally or more offset by the additional accounting fees that I need to pay guys like you to figure the whole thing out. So I suspect it's a boon for your business, which, well, good, good for you guys. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break here, and then we'll be back in just a moment with Jason Gilbert from Armenia. <laughs> High net worth investors are increasingly demanding that alternative investment asset managers of all kinds, hedge fund, private equity, and real estate managers alike, provide them with access to reporting and information on par to the public markets. They want something that is easy and transparent. The innovative team at Fiducia Labs has developed such a response, the next generation of trust tools, the desired solution. Introducing Marco, the alternative investment platform. 
Marco has been specifically designed to streamline the entire investment process from start to finish and all points in between. An elegant, intuitive interface that is efficient, effective, and removes the barriers to adopt. It enables Marco to give you all your investors the edge to make investing and managing alts easy and transparent. To learn more about Marco, please visit www.getmarco.com. Marco, the alternative investment platform. The small balance real estate community is growing. Comprised of serious real estate entrepreneurs and savvy high net worth investors, the shared abundance mindset is a bond. SBREfunds.com is where the SBRE community gathers to grow their knowledge and their portfolios. If you are looking for SBRE investment opportunities, educational content across the spectrum of SBRE-focused topics, and an online resource exclusively servicing the flourishing SBRE community, then SBREfunds.com welcomes you. Welcome back to Capital Matters. We're here today with Jason Gilbert from Armanino, a accounting firm that uh, really does a lot of work in the small balance space. So, Jason, uh, let's talk a little bit more specifically about mortgage pools now, since that seems to be the primary area. And, of course, we have a great deal of familiarity with that space and have a lot of clients there as well. So um, what is it that you, what would you say are some of the key things that a small balance real estate entrepreneur running a mortgage pool fund really needs to think about or consider when it comes to, you know, the admin and the audit and tax and just structuring that fund? What, what would be some of the, you know, right to the heart of the, of the matter from your perspective? Yeah, for the kind of looking to create a fund, um, first and foremost, go out and create a model, right? Start backwards, uh, look at a target yield to the investor, what to expect or what your perspective investor group are going to expect as a return. And then back into what your, you know, weighted average yield on the portfolio needs to be to make sure that the fund is paying its own way for its own specific cost, right? Um, the administration, the, you know, audit, tax, legal, what have you, and of course the management team. You just got to make sure that that whole model and everything works before you get too far down the road. So I can't emphasize that enough for a new guy. The existing um, fund managers, keep tabs on um, your portfolio, aim well, do well connected to your borrowers. Um, borrowers may be great for two years and they have some other events with properties that you aren't specifically tied to and all of a sudden it derails everything that's going on even though your property was fine. So the guys that I've worked with at the best are very much on top of their borrowers and and are ready to move when something transpires and get themselves out of their hole. Yeah, I, I mean, I find that for the most part, the real estate entrepreneurs are really good at the real estate side, or at least, you know, they should be. And the vast majority of them, you know, they know how to underwrite. They know how to put a deal together. Property goes, the loan goes sideways. They know how to foreclose. But the, how they treat it and deal with it from an accounting standpoint and with their investors and the calculation of income and when to recognize that income and when not to and dealing with impairment. You know, that seems to be something that a lot fewer of them really grasp. And I know you guys deal with that, correct? I mean, what's, what's your observation on, you know, how people deal with that issue? One of the main things that I get asked uh, routinely is, how do I account for it now that, you know, we're, we're heading down that path and we borrow and we need to take it back. So 
real quick, and I'll try to keep it as high level as I can. Up to the point that you end up uh, taking back that property, anything that you incur, um, a UPV, any accrued interest that you recognize as revenue and it's sitting at some page, foreclosure fees, legal fees, um, uh, what have you, can be capitalized into your investment in said property or said loan. And then when you foreclose on it, that's your new book value. So that should be all capitalized into that new holding cost or that new REO value that's now on your books now that you've gone through the full sale or you've gotten the keys. So that's part one. And then part two, valuation-wise, you've got to look at it, look at the property and evaluate it for what you think your net proceeds are going to be and proceeds after sale. So once you have that number and you feel very comfortable and this is my net proceeds after sale and closing costs and everything, compare that against the book value. So an investment amount, should it be less than your net proceeds, you're fine. No impairment, no need to adjust. All the funds that we work with, we don't track or account for the loan portfolio and the investments at fair value. Um, it's just not necessary. The difference between fair value and a performing uh, loan portfolio is nil. Um, we're not credit-based lenders. Um, everybody say, you know, equity-based lending, so we're not worried about the credit risk and all those credit terms that apply to banking. Don't yeah. apply to us. Yeah, and, and it gets even more complicated in a pooled investment fund, though, right? Because, I mean, not to get too deep in the weeds here, but if you have a deal that stops paying, so the interest continues to accrue, right? And then the default interest begins to accrue. And, and let's say you believe you're going to collect 100%, at least of the ordinary interest or the regular interest at some point in time, you can make a choice to either continue to book that income and ultimately in a fund, since you have other sources of cash, you can even make an election to distribute that income, right? Versus recognize or cease to accrue that income and stop, uh, stop recognizing it. And that has an impact ultimately on the investor pool, right? Because if you, if you continue to collect it and distribute it, you know, the people that are in there at that time are getting the benefit of that. Whereas if you cease to do it and you collect it later, then people may get, end up not getting that income depending on if they get in or out of the fund. So there's issues around timing of investors coming in and out of the fund and how and when you recognize income. And, and it's all fairly straightforward when the loan is performing, but it gets considerably more murky once the loan, you know, is not performing. Is that would you agree with that statement, or how do you, how would you advise clients to deal with those kinds of issues? Yeah, no, I totally agree with that, and and that's why it's very important to keep track of what that collateral value is. Assuming the collateral value is there, and when you take back the property or get the keys, and you finally get to sale, you're going to collect all or net of sale costs. Um, that collateral value you keep accruing up until you get to that number, um, and that's. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It's in accordance with, you know, the accounting principles. You're being equitable with the investors and you're not overstating income. What I will say is that on the default interest side, we tend to recommend that it not be accrued. Track it. Obviously, keep track of, keep track of what that default interest is, the total amount that is due from the borrower. Make sure you have record and, and, uh, 
that number at hand to know what that total payoff should be and what is totally due to due and total to the fund. But we don't recognize as income, so we'll report it and offset it just because yeah. the odds of you getting truly getting to the point of getting default interest is maybe twenty percent, one out of five, if that, maybe one out of ten, right? So yeah, it's 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 definitely less default. predictable. And I'd say, you know, over yeah. probably nearly a thousand loans that we've done over the last twenty years, and and we've had a fair number of defaults, particularly during during the, you know, oh eight to eleven, twelve period. And I'd say on many of them we ended up collecting the default interest and on some of them we did not. And a lot of that depends on how much equity is in the real estate and whether they refinance you out, and whether or not they file bankruptcy and a number of those factors, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. So so what we see across the board is most people don't. Um, the industry as a whole doesn't they track it and don't record the income just because you just don't know. And if you happen to get it in the future, uh, that's great. Bonus. Right. It's, it's a win, windfall to the investors and everyone, everyone's happy at that point. Yeah. And I would say the upshot of this conversation to those people that we haven't bored to death already by, uh, by it uh, <laughs> is that you, these, these are very real issues that you face when you're running a pooled investment fund that many people don't if you're focused on the real estate side and you came up in the business as you know, an originator or mortgage guy, and now you have to track all this stuff and do it accurately, it's not necessarily something that you were familiar with. And it becomes a bit of a, of a morass to try to figure out how to deal with. And that's where really understanding and having the right people that, that know how to do it is, is important. And I would say that a number of our clients, over the years tend to use kind of a local CPA that they've had doing their own taxes for years and years and don't necessarily have a grasp on a lot of the detailed, uh, you know, super industry specific stuff. Have you guys seen any of that, Jason? Yeah, I've actually, I've actually come across that quite a bit where they, they, you know, built their business and, and grown up with that local CTA and they've been partners with them and they're friends with them, right? So, and the price point, right? The cost, the cost of using the local small sole proprietor is, is cheap, right? So you go, well, I'm just going to stick it out with them. The problem is they don't. They don't understand the industry. They don't understand the implications and what that means ultimately to the investor, right? So when they record things or allow you to, A, either record too much, right? to where all of a sudden you're out over yep. your skis or restrict you and you're impairing properties or loans and accounting for things way too conservatively, you're actually withholding from the investor the wrong way. Um, so it's very sensitive to make sure that you're equitable amongst the investors, right? The, the approach that we take at Armanino is that we're very practical. We try to be extremely practical and make sure that the approach the decisions we make and how we account for things is equitable to the investors, no matter if they came in on day one or they came in on day 365, everyone's getting their fair share of the performance yeah. of the fund. Yeah, and that's, and that's a big part of the challenge of, of the pooled investment fund where you have assets and investors coming and going at various points in time. So, Jason, we're running out of time here, but... Um, I like to ask everybody on the show or as many people as I can that uh, I'm a big fan of 
learning and reading and listening to audios. We've got a number of them going at any point in time, but uh, anything you are listening to or reading these days that you find interesting that you might share with our listeners? Yeah, the thing that uh, I was going to say here is that uh, we're reading Mindset by Carol Billick. It's a thing that we're doing at the firm. We're all about growth mindset, uh, accepting change, being open to change, and constantly advancing. Um, so we as a firm, or at specifically the audit department, are very much about the growth mindset. So so that's what's going on these days. And I find it extremely interesting. Um, it's, it's, it's a good read. Um, parts that are a little dry, but you get the point, you get the premise, and, and keeping that open mind will, will get you further. Yeah, it's called Mindset. And what's the author's name? Mindset. Carol Dweck, so it's D-W-E-C-K. All right, well, I'll, I'll probably add that one to my Audible. Uh, so how can people get in touch with you if they want, Jason? Yeah, so you can look me up at our website. It's Armanino. So it's a bit of a mouthful, so A-R-M-A-N-I-N-O-L-L-P.com um, or phone number 925-790-2721. Um, I'm available. I'm around to try to get back to you within as best I can, 24 hours, uh, soon that I can, but, uh, sometimes schedule tight, you know? Yeah. No, I, I've experienced that. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, <laughs> excuse me. So Jason, I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you very much for being on Capital Matters and, uh, I'm sure we'll be talking soon. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks everybody else for joining us on Capital Matters, the only show anywhere dedicated exclusively to all things small balance real estate. We really are committed to trying to bring value to the people that uh, are active in this business, both on the entrepreneur side and the investor side, and uh, appreciate everybody listening. So remember, when it comes to small balance real estate, capital matters. You have been listening to SBRE Capital Matters. Hosted by Matt Burke. To enjoy other episodes, please visit www.svrefunds.com slash radio. Nothing in this show is intended to be or should be accepted as legal, accounting, or investment advice. None of the Fairway America companies provide that kind of professional service to SBRE entrepreneurs or investors. Fairway America strongly encourages anyone offering or making SBRE investments to work with qualified attorneys, accountants, and investment advisors to help them navigate the many legal and similar issues that are not addressed here.